1: Hello, this is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today we will hear a classic message from our archives that we believe will be a blessing to you and give you principles to live big in Christ. Let's join Bishop Greer for this classic teaching.
0: Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, Jesus crisscrossed the Sea of Galilee for his entire ministry. You know, he privileged Bethlehem by his birth, Nazareth by his upbringing, and Jerusalem ultimately by his death. But he honored this middle region or northern region called Capernaum by making it uh, his latter home as well as the base of his ministry. And while he's in this area of Capernaum, looking at uh, visiting the various cities, it says, a great multitude gathered. To him, You know, it was impossible for anyone to perform miracles of the magnitude of Jesus Christ without drawing attention to themselves. And by this time, Jesus had become something of a rock star. I mean, he was doing things no other man had done. He was saying things no other man had said. And everyone was interested. He was very, very popular with the, the people. The Pharisees did have some questions nonetheless. But again... It says, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea, meaning as soon as he got off the boat, crowds swarmed, and then he was just, you know, uh, everybody just wanted to be near this Jesus. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. Out of the multitude, out of this, this, this crowd that was pressing in on Jesus, a very unlikely man emerged. He was the ruler of the synagogue. Now, rulers of synagogues back in that time were very, very powerful men. They were the guys that everybody in the community wanted to please. Why? Because these men held the power of excommunication. In our New Testament, we talk about the power of binding and loosing, and that's the power of excommunication, but that's another study. But when a person was excommunicated from the synagogue it not only meant social isolation it also meant certain poverty because as a uh, you you would no longer be permitted to buy and sell to other good Jews so it, it was a very very difficult and painful situation when you were put out of the synagogue and by the way at the end of Jesus ministry people started getting put out of the synagogue for believing in Christ and it was these such rulers that made those decisions And uh, then he goes on and he pinpoints it. And again, as I like to say to you, that these gospel narratives were written why the participants were still alive. He didn't just say a synagogue ruler. He named the synagogue ruler, meaning they could go to this area, find this synagogue ruler, and ask them if what was written in these gospels were true. So he states the name here. He says, Jairus by name. So this man, again, Jairus, part of the ruling class, highly educated, greatly respected, and extremely influential. And as far as all the people were concerned, this was a man in need of absolutely nothing. Then it says, and when he saw him, when Jairus finally got a clear picture of Jesus, all of his importance immediately began to melt away. And when you really get a look at the master, really see him for what he is, all of your trophies, all of your accolades, all your accomplishments gets put way in the background. And you do what this man did. He fell at his feet. No preliminaries, no apologies. Everyone was watching This man had everything to lose, but when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And the reason many of us don't worship, the reason why many of us don't really fall at his feet, because we have not yet really seen him. We may have become accustomed to church. We may see church people, but we have not really yet received a revelation of God. But when you see him for what he is, everything else that seems so important just goes away. And all you can do is fall on your face. Verse 23, there was a context in which he came to Jesus. In a moment, we're going to find out what that was. When he fell at his feet, he didn't come declaring his titles Talking about, well, I went to Harvard and, and, and my cousin went to Yale. None of that. It says, this powerful man. And Jesus reads both the least and the greatest. This man begged him from his heart. You see, at this time in history, almost all the rulers of the synagogues were Pharisees. So this man, being the tension between the Pharisees and Jesus had probably spent a lot of time both analyzing and criticizing Jesus up to this point. But it's amazing when tragedy strikes. (laughs) Our priorities have a way of just becoming crystal clear. All the petty jealousies and and, and trivial differences just, just went out the window. And this man is before Jesus, begging, in need. He looks Jesus in the face he said, my little daughter lies at the point of death. He said, Jesus, my baby girl is dying. And I have no time for silly theological arguments. Jesus, I, I, I really don't care about what has happened between us in the past. The love of my life the person God has given me charge, the one I watch come into this world, the girl I love more than any other saved mother. My little daughter is too young to die. And the odds are Jesus was not permitted in his synagogue. But suddenly he says, come. He said, Jesus, you know, I watched from a distance. I even, to be honest, I laughed at you from a distance. But today, my comfortable, my cozy little world has been turned upside down, and my little bit of religion can't fix it. You've probably heard said there are no atheists in foxholes. It's amazing. So many people have all these arguments against God, but when 9-11 came, all of a sudden, all the preachers were on CNN, Fox News. It's amazing how when trouble comes, all of the pettiness goes right out the window. He said, Jesus, come and lay your hands. I tried with my hands. It got nowhere. Lay your hands on her. Because Jesus, I know just one touch from God can change everything. So, Lord, would you come? Lay your hands on her that she may be healed. So this man who was probably an enemy of, of God just a few days before makes a tremendous confession of confidence. And, and, and we're, we're in our series, uh, The Miracles in Your Mouth. So I need you to notice something. This man did not just quietly believe He said it. And not only did he say it where others could hear, he said it where all could hear. When he made this statement, his reputation, everything he had worked for all his life was laid on the line when he connected himself from this carpenter from Galilee. He said, lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live." live. His heart showed up in his mouth. He's like, Lord, Jesus, I, I, I believe if, if, if God's hands just move, I know everything will be all right. But watch what happens next. So Jesus went with him. See, this is important. Jesus didn't ridicule him. Say, oh, now you want me. You know, a couple of weeks ago when you were up in the synagogue and you were choosing priests to come, you know, you were like, never, never. But, but now, you, none, none of that. Jesus didn't remind him of what he said a few days before. None of that. And here's the deal about the Jesus I know. He doesn't care what you did in your past, what you said in your past. He will walk with anyone who chooses to believe. And this man chose to believe. It said, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Literally, the, the, the language there is he was pressed on every and all sides. And this is important because even the best ministries with the best planning, the best intentions can sometimes become overwhelmed. Sometimes there seem to be more needs than there are ministers to meet those needs. But here's the deal. If Jesus is the will of God personified, how many of y'all believe that's true? Being swamped does not necessarily mean you're out of God's will. In fact, it might prove the opposite. Here is the will of God and people are pressing on him. People are walking over each other to get to him. There's a little bit of organized confusion, if you will. But nonetheless, Jesus is in the perfect will of God. And let me tell you something. The perfect will of God is not always neat. The perfect will of God, you can't always put a neat bow and, you know, it just, you know, it's not always it doesn't move in rows and columns all the time. And here Jesus was willing to deal. With the mess. Now, a certain man, I'm sorry, woman, you know, it's, it's interesting here. You know, we guys want to stick our chests out, but, but, but every great story of faith in the Bible seems to include a woman. I don't know what it is about you, but, but you seem to get it done. You know, I know about Abraham, but there also was Sarah. Yeah, yeah, Noah did some things, but there was not Mrs. Noah. (laughs) Imagine what that was like. But now a certain woman, it's always the ladies, particularly in the Gospels, had a flow of blood. Which made her ceremonially unclean. This means she was on a menses every day of her life. Now, y'all growl just a couple times a month. Imagine every day. You think you got problems. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Imagine a period that lasts. Can I say that? realize what I said. It's in the book. (laughs) She had it for 12 years. So here's Jesus dealing with one person's crisis. Then simultaneously, he has to face another. He said for 12 years. How many of y'all have some problems that have been around for a little while? She's about to show us how to deal with such long-term issues. He said, for 12 years, the synagogue's ruler's daughter was 12 years old. And now this woman emerges with a 12-year-old problem. And here's the deal. If you can't handle problems, there's no need for you in ministry. The more people you serve, the more problems you have. Jesus didn't shy away from it all. He just took them one by one. And then it goes on to tell this lady's story. And maybe it's like your story. Maybe you went to the self-help gurus. Maybe you did this. Maybe you went to the psychoanalyst. Uh, uh, maybe you went to psychologists. Maybe you got on med. I don't know what you did. But let's read about what she had to do. And she had suffered many things from many physicians. At this time, you know, they would give you know, people in pain nauseating medicines. I mean, sometimes you have to drink camel urine. I mean, they would come up with incredible stuff. Other times what they would do is they'd dig a hole, light a fire in the hole. Then the woman had to crotch down over the fire and let the smoke cleanse her. Humiliating, embarrassing, expensive, all the rest, but... She, she, she went through all, all the, the, the medical calisthenics here. Then it goes on and says, she spent all she had. On top of being sick, she went broke. I don't know what's worse. And then it goes on and says, and was no better. Nothing was working. Rather, it only grew worse. How many of y'all been here? The bottom completely dropped out of her life. But what happened next is the game changer. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus. When she heard that he's a healer, a burden bearer, a way maker, problem solver, bridge builder, difference maker. (laughs) Need meter, debt reducer, time saver, strength giver. He will be peace in the middle of your mess. Somebody told her about Jesus. When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? It said when she heard about Jesus, she was broken, busted, disgusted, but she heard. And then when she heard, she didn't just hear, she believed. Because the next verse says, she came up behind him. Remember, she's bleeding from an intimate place. Ever have a problem so embarrassing? You can only seek help anonymously? Yeah. Ever bleed in a place you don't want anybody to know about? Ever have some hurts that are, I mean, that, that are a real part of you? But she went to all the doctors and, you know, I, I tell the story, you know, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. What was the problem? He went to the wrong king. Come on. But not this woman. She came behind him, behind him. She didn't wait for red carpet. This woman had to push past 12 years of disappointments. She had to push through the weakness and the pain of what she was feeling and cramping up on the inside and all the rest. Every excuse sat on both shoulders, but she made it to church anyway. This woman was horribly bruised. This woman was horribly broken, but she was as tough, as nails, The Bible says that Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will I find faith on the earth? I'm convinced when the Son of Man comes, he'll find bishops. He'll find big churches. He, he, he will find church buses, church parking lots. He will find uh, uh, seminaries. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? People willing to push through their disappointments, push through their hurts, push through problems to get to their Jesus, no matter the cost. He says she came behind him in the crowd. Now, most likely, she had to crawl to get to Jesus. Back then, women were uh, men weren't gentlemen as they are. You didn't open the door. No, no, women, if anything, opened the door for the man. It was just there was, was, was none of that chivalry back then. Women were property. Not only that, she was an unclean woman. And you know, when she got to Jesus, actually, the Bible said that she only touched the what? Him. It means the bottom part. That doesn't mean she walked up to him then bent down. The odds are she was already on her knees. So the picture here is, is a woman that crawled through a crowd, kicked in the dirt, in the mud, But she said, I don't care what I got to do as long as I get to my Jesus. When the Son of Man comes, he will find people having church, but will he find faith on the earth? She came up behind him in the crowd. On her hands and knees, her makeup running, her wig twisted, her dress sideways, she wouldn't let anything get between her and the crowd. And Jesus, forgive me, I like this woman. My prayer is that God would raise up such women today. Matthew 9 and 21. Here's another key that's easy to miss. Matthew brings it out, and then we go back to Mark. For she said to herself, You see, when all is said and done, it really doesn't matter what people have to say about you. Once you heard from God, the only thing that matters is what you have to say about you. This woman had no cheering. She had no cheerleaders had no one pulling for her, no no one coaching her, no one holding her hand. But scripture says she said to herself. Notice she didn't just believe. She had something to say. And when you are in the middle of whatever you're into, the issue is not, yeah, yeah please believe. But, 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 but when you really believe it, it will show up in your mouth. And there are times where there's not going to be anybody encouraging you. You've got to learn to talk to yourself. The Bible said, you all know that, when, G, when David was at Ziklag, all his men spoke of stoning him. The Bible said he encouraged himself in the Lord. And sometimes... It's part of God's design. Life will test your mettle. And you know, you know. the reason I'm here is because they didn't do this. And, and if they would have, no, 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 sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Sometimes you got to dig in deep and find the gold. For she said to her self, if only I may touch his garment." You see, sometimes opportunity doesn't knock. Sometimes opportunity doesn't chase you down. But we learn from this woman sometimes when opportunity doesn't knock, you might have to build your own door. And this woman didn't stay home crying, talking about, well, the church elders didn't visit me. She didn't stay home crying, and ain't nobody calling me no more, nobody loving, none of that. In the midst of her pain, she said to herself though everybody in the world may reject me if i could just get to the the very least part of god is enough for me yeah. the weakest part of god can solve all of our problems she said if i just i don't need a personal audience I, if i could just touch the lowest bit i know my god is more enough. If I may just touch his garment, I shall. This is what she said to herself. I I shall. I don't care what y'all say. I don't care how y'all try to block me. I don't care how y'all say I ought to not be out here. I got that. I say I shall be made well. This woman refused to be anybody's victim. She spoke the end in the middle of it. While she was crawling on her knees, if I could just get there, it's going to be all right. In the middle of the pain, in the middle of the bleeding, in the middle of the crowd, in the middle of the people kicking her, people stepping up, people trying to block her. But she said in herself, if I only touch The very least part of God, this is not a big problem to God. If I could just grab hold of the less part of him, it'll fix every problem I could ever have in my life. Back to Mark 5 and 28. Again, remember, we're in the series, the miracles in your mouth, and we're beginning to wrap it up. For she said, remember, the miracles in your mouth. What do you say when you're at the end of your rope? What do you say when you've lost all natural hope? Let's learn from this woman. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I may be or I shall be made well. She was saying, I'm not going to let these people. I'm not going to let my condition. I'm not even going to let my shame block me from getting what God has for me. And then when, when she said that long enough and she pushed through her pain, suddenly what she'd been saying all along
1: happened. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Greer. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big.